0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wubi, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is so wonderful to be here. Okay, so last week we talked about, we introduced the idea of a life of pleasure. And we talked a lot about how if someone doesn't derive pleasure from a mitzvah that they observe, They're not observing it correctly. There's something lacking if someone has a Shabbos and they don't enjoy that Shabbos. It doesn't bring them pleasure. If someone is observing any mitzvah of the Torah and it doesn't bring them pleasure, something is wrong. So now, today, we're going to take it a whole level deeper. And we're going to understand why a mitzvah requires pleasure. What is in a mitzvah? That there should be pleasure. So let's see that. If we look deeply, there is no way for a person to serve God and not derive pleasure. It's impossible. It's impossible to serve God and not derive pleasure. Why? What is... The foundation of Jewish belief. What is the foundation of Jewish knowledge of Hashem? La'amin Hashem is Is to believe that Hashem is one. And Hashem is the only one. And that Hashem is before everything. And that Hashem is after everything. She'en od milvado. And that there is nothing other than God. That runs this world. If that's the case, hainu, a Jew needs to believe and to know, and we discussed this many times in our class, that Jewish faith isn't a leap of faith. Jewish faith is knowledge. You should know and the, and, the, and, and the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, not the belief in Hashem, not the faith in Hashem, knowledge. Knowledge is much more powerful than just taking a leap of faith. So everything is predicated on this belief and knowledge of Hashem. What do we believe? Not only that Hashem created the world. And that not only that God is the King of the Universe, and that He conducts everything that happens in all the worlds. Just as before all of creation, what was in existence before creation? Hashem, only Hashem, right? Before Hashem created the heaven and the earth, what was there? Hashem, God, alone. After God's create, God creates the world, what is the existence? Hashem's will. It's Hashem. So before creation, there's Hashem. After creation, what is there? Hashem, because the only thing that can exist is something that's in His will. The ain od milvado. And there is nothing in existence other than Hashem. Okay, so we have established something here. Number one is that nothing exists in this world without Hashem. Every single human being you've ever seen on planet Earth exists because of one reason. Because of Hashem. They are in this existence. They are in this world because of the desire of the Almighty that they be in this world. Each one of us are in this world for one reason. Because the Almighty willed it that we be in this world. call and all of creations have no existence of their own. Oh I made I'm a self-made man. <laughs> I'm a self-made man. I made no you didn't. God created you. God willed you into existence. because without God's will, there is no existence. Yes, God created certain laws of nature. God created, created certain laws of how the world is conducted so that it operates in a regular way where we don't necessarily, we have to also remember one piece here is that part of what God created in this world is free will. And God needs to put into this world an element that can allow doubt in God. We need to build into creation the ability for us to doubt God as well. Not only that we believe in God, because if everyone saw godliness all day, there would be no non-believers. You have to be able to, some people call it science. Well, if you believe in science, you'll realize that everything is just uh, an evolution or whatever theory that people want to attribute to their not being a god. There needs to be a power that goes against obvious faith and knowledge in Hashem. Okay. So, so there is no existence that exists in this world from the creation of the universe until God decides to end this world that exists without the will of Hashem. Every single human being. Every single item, even this pen right here, is the will of Hashem. Afilu even one moment. There is no creation that can exist without the will of Hashem. Elohim chayim The only way they are living and existing is through the godly light that wills that existence to live and to be. Shinishpa that comes as a shefa, as a, as a, as a, as a will. And God keeps us in existence at every single moment. He maintains us at every single moment. So I think first it's a, it's an idea of encouragement. We should feel, one second, the fact that I'm able to do the following, okay? Wow. You know who, you know who gave me that ability to take that inspiration and expiratory breath? The God who created heaven and earth, Hashem, the one and only Hashem. He gave me that ability to take that one breath. You know what? God loves me so much that he gave me the opportunity to enjoy everything that exists. And we'll see further how this connects to pleasure. It connects to pleasure first in our mind that we understand that God believes in us. We said, we mentioned this last week, and we'll say it again today. We say every morning, I thank you, Hashem, my living King, that you restored my soul within me. Bechemla Raba Emunatecha, with mercy, with kindness, Rabbi Emunatecha, great is your belief in me. What we need to reaffirm and what we do in this prayer every morning is we reestablish the playing field. We level the playing field and realize with firmness that Hashem, wants us here because he believes in us. He believes that there's something that we can accomplish. He believes that today we can do greatness. And therefore, he gave us another chance. He gave us another opportunity. So anybody who walks around moping, oh, today's just not my day. Today is just, you know, a rotten day. It may be it's not your greatest day. But remember that God thought you can do something special today, and he brought you back to this world today. Every day, a tap on the back right there, an encouragement from the Almighty. You got this. That's what God is telling you every morning when you open up your eyes. That's what he's saying. Because we don't exist without the Almighty willing us to exist. <inaudible> this godly light that gives us life, that wills us to be, Shinishpa bichkola bruim, that is infused into all creations. This godly light that is infused into every creation. Umichayeotam, and gives us existence and sustenance. Nikra nitsotzot is called the sparks, the godly sparks. We heard the word nitsotzot. It's the godly spark that gives us existence. The orot khtanim, small little lights. In everyone's heart, in everyone's soul, there's this little heart that keeps us alive. Which is a shefa, a, 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 uh, an infusion of life, an infusion of existence in everyone's soul. To give them life and to give them greatness. In any pleasure and any enjoyment that we experience in this world is only from that spark that godly spark that's within each and every one of us so if any experience any experience that we have of pleasure we have to recognize, That pleasure is being derived from that godly spark that's giving us life. So we've established number one, everything is created by Hashem. Hashem was first, Hashem is last, Hashem is. And that every creation from the beginning of the creation of the world till the end is here by Hashem's will. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything is here by the will of Hashem. And we have, each and every one of us, each and every human being, has that light from Hashem within them. And that light is the light that gives them the ability to derive pleasure from this world. And yes, not only spiritual pleasures, physical pleasures, fleeting pleasures, food pleasures, physical pleasures, Every pleasure is derived by that inner spark of godliness. We could go on at, as an example. Kasher adam o'chel Ezema When a person eats food, delicious food, you eat potato kugel, you eat chalant, you eat your delicious burger off the grill, You eat a steak, you eat your eggs, whatever it is that you enjoy eating. Any food that you derive pleasure from, Do you know what that pleasure is that you derive from that food? Well, that food also has a spark. Because that food is also creation of the Almighty. So here that spark meets up. And that spark is what brings about a pleasurable experience when we eat it. Kirak hu because don't forget the only thing that brought about this food was the will of Hashem. Virak mimeno atanug and only from that is the pleasure. Eino ela and what's the physical dimension of that food, that's just like clothes. It just clothes that godly spark of that food. We'll see soon in Deuteronomy. We say, Man doesn't only exist by the bread alone. But by the will of Hashem. Ah, it's not by the bread. We've all experienced... I am sure, we've all experienced times where we eat a little bit, a teeny drop, and we're full. Times where we eat and eat and eat, and we're still not satiated. How's that possible? If it's 10 ounces fills you, then 10 ounces should always fill you. No, sometimes it's one ounce, sometimes it's 30 ounces, and you're still not full. It's the will of Hashem that fills you. The actual physical food is the garment the external uh, physical you know it's an amazing thing when someone passes away what what does jewish tradition tell us to do the family we tear our garments why do we tear our garment we tear our garment to show that the person who is deceased just the clothing of them meaning are what what are we are we a body or are we a soul we are a soul We are a soul that's wrapped in a body. The body is just the clothes. The soul lives on forever. The soul is a part of God. The body is just the, it's just the, the, the external, you know, vehicle that takes us from place to place. When someone is in pain, you know what really is in pain? The soul. The body is the external. So what we do by tearing garments is we're saying, here this garment has ended its life. The soul lives on forever. The garment is being buried. Physical body is being buried. But the soul lives on forever. And that's what we do by tearing the clothes. We're demonstrating that it's just the clothes that are over. It's not the actual soul that ended this. The soul lives on. So remember that all pleasure comes from Hashem's spark that He put in that food. With deep introspection, we will realize there's nothing except for Hashem's will in this world. Nothing that exists has its own existence. It only exists by the will of Hashem. The hainu devar k'yam There's nothing that lives on its own. I'll give you an example. My daughter came home from camp on Friday, very excited that she has a plant that she planted. And she needs to water that plant. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that plant grow on its own? How many times have people tried to plant things put in the proper water, and nothing grows. And how many times do we try to plant things? And like this morning, I showed my daughter that the little plant at our front door had little buds. That comes from the will of Hashem. That a seed can now bring a living existence into the world. Or is it godliness, a godly spark that gives it life? The only thing that gives existence in this world is God's constant infusion of life that He puts into it. That the Almighty constantly infuses it with life. So each and every one of us, every moment that we're alive, we have to realize and feel encouraged by this, God wills us into existence at every moment he wants us to enjoy he wants us to to derive maximum pleasure in this world and like we explained last week what is pleasure the ultimate pleasure not physical pleasure not running around eating food not not uh, getting a nice massage while wow, they're all great and they're all willed by hashem to be pleasurable The ultimate pleasure is our connection with the Almighty. When we real, when we have a real connection with God, a reliance on God, not only a knowledge, knowledge is step one. Step two is being completely reliant and dependent on Hashem. My brother once told me, my older brother, he once said, the American way of thinking is that we need to have something called financial security. We need to get to a point where we have financial security. says, you know what financial security equals? I can't trust God because he doesn't know what he's doing. I need to make sure I have my financial security. Because I need to rely on myself. I have no one else to rely on. Now, that doesn't mean that a person shouldn't put forward every effort possible to be self-sufficient. But don't kick God out. Recognize, Hashem, you've given me opportunity. You've given me blessing. I'm going to do the responsible thing and try to help. But it's only with your help, Hashem. Because how many people put away for their retirement and then it's not enough for them? Something comes up. They have a a special need, a special something that comes up that they didn't anticipate. One second, I thought it was all secure. Financials, security. Or maybe it's not. How many times do people have no preparation? By the way, just an interesting statistic, right? Most people become millionaires and billionaires only after the age of 60. I'm talking about 90%. At the age of 60, their whole life they worked, and they worked, and they worked. Oh, they tried one business, didn't work. They tried another business, didn't work. Tried another one, tried another But finally, they get to a point where they say, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'll try. I'll just put my faith in Hashem. And then it does work. I'm not sure that they actually say that. But, but hopefully, they get to a point. I was just an interesting conversation I had with someone this week. I said, can you imagine? It's, it's the craziest thing. My wife is celebrating her 40th birthday today, and uh, it's a happy birthday. It's an amazing thing. You wonder, why does God give children to young and dumb people? You know, it's like people between the age of 18 and 40 are usually the age of, of a child, you know, bringing children into this world. You're like, what? People 25 years old don't have a clue how to raise children. Why, why doesn't Hashem give it to people who are 50, 60, they understand life, they've gone through a thing or two in their life, they've faced some challenges, they're wiser, they're more patient. And Instead, these young and dumb kids are having children. They don't know how to raise children. They don't know how to educate them. They don't know. And it's, it's an amazing brilliance of Hashem. Because we're not in this world for us to have perfect children. We're in this world To grow with our children and to build a relationship with our children. And that's something we're able to do in a much better way when we realize that we have flaws and we realize that we make mistakes and we realize that we're able to apologize to our children for mistakes that we make. And if a father or a mother get frustrated and they lose their patience with their child, you can go over. And I do this all the time with my children. I'll go and apologize. Is nothing wrong with our children seeing, you know what? My parents made a mistake. They apologize. And they learn from that. And they can apply that to their lives as well. You know what? They can go to their friend and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I was wrong. And where did you learn that from? I learned that from my father. My father made a mistake too. And he apologized. And we learn things like that. It's a growing process. We're not here in this world to be perfect. We're here to aspire to become perfect. And that only comes through a growth process that comes with young and dumb parents and children, and we learn and grow together. It becomes a growth process where the the father, the mother, the sister, the brother, all together are in a growth mode. If we, yeah, if we are all going to be 50, 60-year-olds, and we're smart, and we know exactly what to do, set them up on a schedule, and we know exactly how much time for, you know, that's not the way it works. We have to learn from mistakes. We have to learn not from, you know, trial and error. We've tried everything. we figured everything out. Now we can have children. No. Part of our growth process is part of their growth process. By the way, it's an amazing thing. If you ask anybody on planet Earth, what gave you the most pain in life, they'll say, my children. You ask anybody in the world, what gives you the most pleasure in life, they'll say, children. Isn't that amazing? What gives you the most pain gives you the most pleasure. The most challenge gives you the most pleasure. People today, oh, I just want an easy life. That's a pleasureless life. The more challenge we have, the more pleasure we have from it. They go hand in hand. So, from this godly light that is infused into every existence at every moment of its existence, You know what only, what is the only thing that really exists? The only thing that really exists is God's light. Because all of our existence, even the device that's sitting right in front of your faces right now, that you're able to see and learn in a class, Torah, is God's light too. And this cup of coffee here is God's light. Everything that exists is God's light. God's light because the only way it comes into existence is through God's light and God's will. So in essence, everything that we see is God's light. So now, this is just an interesting sidebar here. If someone does something terrible, someone, God forbid, murders, or someone, God forbid, hits, injures someone else, that's someone taking their free will and using it in the wrong way, which is why they're held accountable. They're held accountable. Well, you say, what? it's God the light who did it. No, God gave you opportunity. He gave you potential and you've used it in the wrong way. Now you have a penalty you need to pay. Okay, so now, the all of our existence, this physical body, Is only a clothing to that godly light. So this is just a garment to the, to the, to the body. And the body is just a garment to the soul, to that godly light. Therefore, nothing is just an independent item. This didn't come to existence on its own. Nothing comes into existence on its own. Vilinivra gam enshum koach Every creation doesn't have its own will, its own power. Elah kolakhu rak shela shamid barach. The only power that exists is the power of Hashem's will. Elah Hashemid barach mistater, but God hides inside, deep inside. Umegalet kocho ve'oroh derach God shows his light to this world through his creations. But really inside of everything, it's all godliness. It's all godliness. So just take this for a second. Anybody ever try to put together a business deal and it doesn't go? Ah. Everything was ready. All the I's were dotted. All the T's were crossed. Everything was ready to go. And the deal doesn't go. What 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 happened? One thing was missing. Hashem didn't will it. How many times does a, a deal come we didn't even think about it? And it just comes out of no place. You know why? Because Hashem willed it. Now, we have to understand also, we can talk about this a different time, is that we have to create a vessel through which God can provide. And sometimes even if we don't create that vessel, God provides it. But we have to do our part Which God says, this is your obligation. You play the game. I'm going to bring about the success. I'm going to bring about the blessing. I'm going to bring about that light. And that has to be a constant recognition at every moment of our lives that we are just a vessel. We are just a vessel, our physical body, for the godly light that's within. And therefore, we also have to properly care for that soul. We have to nourish it properly physically. We have to nourish it with proper uh, diet, with proper nutrition. But we also have to care for it properly spiritually. We can't go into a place of depraved morals and expect that soul to be happy. It's not going to be happy. It's not going to feel satisfied by going to places that are not allowing that light to shine forth. So he says as follows, just the last piece here on on the sidebar here, And you have to know that every single creation is a messenger of God. Is a messenger of God. That God gave you that will, he gave you that that, uh, ability, that strength, To do things in this world. every creation is responsible for his actions. Okay, so again, you can't say, well, it was God's light that shot you, not me. No, you are responsible for your actions. To do the will of Hashem. To do what Hashem prescribes for us to do. As is prescribed in the Torah. In Hashem's Torah, what does He want us to do? He tells us very clearly, this is the manual for living. This is the book of light. The book which gives us exact guidance in how Hashem wants us to conduct ourselves. Well, How should I do it? What should I do with this light? Oh, great question. That light is brought through the positive commandments, the negative commands. Stay away from this, get close to this, and now you've got the perfect ingredients to bring that light out to the world. If you keep on putting into our body the food that God says don't, we're not allowing that light to come out. If we don't fulfill the mitzvahs that God tells us, do these mitzvahs, we're not putting in the right ingredients. into The, the food's not going to taste right. right? You call up the person who writes the recipe book, the cookbook. You tell them, listen, I went did all the recipes and nothing tastes good. Well, they say, well, did you follow all the recipes exactly as I wrote it? No, <laughs> I didn't. Well, so how do you expect it to, to taste right? Well, I looked at the picture and I thought that, that, you know, just sprinkle in a couple of things, not everything. I don't have to follow it exactly. Preheat the oven this and put it like that. If you don't follow the instructions, it's not going to have the desired outcome. It doesn't work like that. God, in his book, that's his cookbook. It's God's cookbook for a maximized, pleasured life. I'll tell you, my father-in-law had a, a rabbi in Israel. When we, when my wife and I moved to Israel, he said, do me a favor. Here's some money. I want you to bring this to my rabbi. I want you to give it to him. And I think my father-in-law's real motive is he wanted me to meet this great tzaddik, this great righteous man. So he asked me, just drop off some money. I'd like to give him some charity. So here I go to this rabbi. Now, I'm not exaggerating. Okay? I'm not exaggerating. He was the happiest man I've ever seen. He had a smile that lit up the world. Okay? But now let me tell you what he lived in. Okay? Anybody here have a shed that you can fit a lawnmower in? His house was smaller than that. It was like it was like a two by two kitchen. It was so small that you if you don't sit right, you fall off the chair, you know? His wife was there in the room preparing for Shabbos. It was like a little little kitchen, and right off that little teeny kitchen he has this little, you know, bedroom where him and his wife, it's like and this guy is the happiest man on earth. I never saw a smile of a human being beaming light at, from his fr- It was just, it was unreal. And he had to get up. It was a second floor. It's like you have this rickety uh, staircase. It was unbelievable. I was like, this guy's got it. He's got the right ingredients. He's living every day a life which is maximized pleasure. Because he realized one thing. You don't need a plantation to be happy. You don't need Neiman Marcus to be happy. You need the light within to be happy. And the minute you remove all of the barriers, all of the boundaries, you have absolute happiness. You have absolute pleasure. That's what he figured out. You could see it on his face. He didn't need fancy houses and swimming pools and, and pool parties and alcohol and, you know, the living the fine life of wine and, and steaks. No, no, that's that's all good. It's fine and then But that doesn't bring happiness. It's when we recognize that there's a godliness within us that brings happiness. And he had that on 100% volume. And it was to me, it was like, wow, what a man. What a man. He said, I need to go back and see such a person. And I'm thankful to Hashem that a few months later I met my rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz. My sons, when I brought them in to visit him when we were in Jerusalem, my son said, I've never seen such a happy person in my life. He's always smiling, and it's a genuine smile. You see a person who feels godliness is in him. See, the problem is, is that it's much easier to pick up a Coke and eat a good, delicious donut than to feel that God is within me. Because here, just with uh, $2, I got myself my my coffee and my donut and I can just forget about my godliness. Or I can invest in that godly light that's within me and I don't need the donut and the coffee to be happy. Yes, it's a delicious thing. And yes, we need to enjoy it. And yes, we need to thank Hashem when we do enjoy these, these pleasures. But I don't need it to be happy. I'm not reliant on the external for it. I connect internally to that godly light. Um, and now we will analyze and understand. It's such a small spiritual spark that is covered by physical, by materialistic wrappings. And someone can have such incredible pleasure from the connection with it, with that light. when someone connects on such a high level with the Almighty, There's no way other than to be immersed in a world of pleasure when a person recognizes his true connection with the Almighty. Therefore, it is impossible for anyone to be connected with the Almighty from the mere fact that you are connected with God, it is impossible for a person to be in existence in this world and to connect with God and not experience the highest form of pleasure. The highest form of pleasure. It is impossible. And that's what we're aiming for. We, as human beings, have one desire. Every human being on planet Earth, is seeking pleasure there is no person on planet Earth we mentioned this last week there's no person on planet earth that doesn't want and desire and crave and need pleasure but that's the question are we going to invest in first-class pleasures the ultimate pleasure which is the absolute connection with that godly light within us not only that God within us that God within us is just a link to the to the real man to right to the almighty The creator of heaven and earth, the one and only Hashem. Or am I going to sell out for the cheap, easy, fleeting, temporary pleasures that are just fifth class pleasures? It'll get you to where you want to, want to go, but it's not going to last. Right now you're looking for just a, a pick me up and you just, uh, you know, you dig into that bag of barbecue potato chips. Okay. I got my pleasure. Yeah. But what is that really? It's good to have a pleasure that you enjoy, but it's got to be in balance. Because too much of it, what's going to happen? You'll feel sick to your stomach. But that's all physical pleasure, by the way, like that. It's too much. It's like uh, enough. There's one pleasure that never, never, never does a person say enough. And that's the first class pleasure, ultimate pleasure, connecting with that light that's within us. So now let's just put this into perspective here. If every single creation is a godly light, if every single creation is a godly light, how can I hate another person? How can I not love God's light? Whoa, one second. You mean that guy? I have to love him now because he's God's light? And that neighbor, the crazy guy, That's the guy I need to love. Are you kidding me? Because he's God's light. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because we have to recognize, we have to be able to see, to discern the godliness in every human being. Every human being has something to contribute to this world. Every human being has something of virtue. Just ask their mother. Everyone's mother thinks they are the greatest thing since sliced bread. What do you see in this rotten guy? Oh, well, what are you talking about? He's so gentle. He's so sweet. He's so caring. He's so loving. But look at him. He's an axe murderer. No, you don't, you don't see. You don't understand. He really means well. What do you mean? Because she sees the goodness. What Hashem teaches us in His Torah is to learn, like that mother to see the goodness in every human being. Everyone has godly light in him. Every human being is a creation of Hashem. Everything that exists is a creation of Hashem. Hashem gives it light and wills it into creation. That's a life of unbelievable pleasure. Where everything around us is now godliness. Even the chair you're sitting on right now that is in existence by Hashem's will, by Hashem's light, manifested in a chair. It becomes a different life, a different experience. And in particular, when one learns Torah and one fulfills the mitzvahs, the commandments of Hashem, which through them, through each line of Torah that one studies through each mitzvah that one performs this light of Hashem is revealed you know I once had a cab driver see he says to me why do I need to be? this is in Israel he says why do I need to be a Torah observant Jew he says isn't it good enough I just do good deeds I just do acts of kindness and leave me alone I don't need to keep Shabbos I don't need to put on to fill in I don't need to keep kosher just leave me alone I just do good things I don't harm anybody I'm just uh you know that could be that someone could live a life that's good, and, but you're not revealing the light that's there. Yeah, you're not doing any harm per se, but perhaps you could bring so much light to this world. What is revealed light? Revealed light is when one learns Torah. When one observes a mitzvah properly, you have light. And in different ways, there are different dimensions of that light. Every mitzvah brings a different dimension of that light to existence. There's unbelievable, indescribable pleasure that comes to the world and to the individual with each action that they do. The nefesh, the soul of a person is completely enriched completely enriched by the light that's within us. How do we bring that light? There are ways to do it. That's what the Torah is there for. So, just a, a, an example here that he brings. Adam noten kaf dvash betavshil. A person puts one scoop of honey into his uh, dish that he is preparing. Vita ha And that delicious, sweet flavor is now palpable. You can taste it. You can feel it and you can enjoy it. If you put one scoop of honey and it tastes so delicious, what happens if you eat the honey itself? If putting one scoop of honey makes the whole dish delicious, If you just ate the honey itself, wouldn't it be delicious? Of course it would be delicious. What does this mean? If one little mitzvah is so delicious, why? Why is it so delicious? Why does it bring such light? Because it's godliness. So that's one little bit of light. But imagine if I immerse myself in that light completely. Then what happens? It's in a life filled with pleasure. It's like you're eating straight from the honey jar. So there's a danger that comes with this. There's a very big danger. And that danger is false pleasures. There's an entire world, an entire array of false pleasures. Yes, we have great pleasures. Hashem, we just have finished discussing... For 45 minutes, we're talking about real pleasure, godly light. But then there's a danger. There's the sellout pleasures. Let's see what that is. Um, However, However, Even though, like we just mentioned, all pleasures are a manifestation of God's light, However, because of the challenge that one needs to face and the free will, the free will, we mentioned this in the beginning of class, we all need to have free will. If we only had one choice, what's the celebration? (laughs) What makes life fulfilling is that we have options and we choose the right option. God has to create in His world two ways for you to go. Make a right, go my way, or go, make a left, and go your own way. Find your own pleasures that will fulfill you, and you'll be convinced that you're in the right place, because look at the world of pleasure I'm living in. Mikomakom, however, bishvila v'abchira, because we need to have free will, and because we need to have challenge, God gave power to the false pleasures as well. To allure us and to try to attract us to the wrong way. To to make someone mistake and go the wrong path. That God forbid a person could be presented that there are pleasures outside of godliness fake pleasures and they dance around in front of a person look at me look how awesome life is oh right do do they ever show a vacation package with someone sad or someone miserable no they're showing someone who's smiling on a on a cruise ship like life is just great yeah anyone who's ever been on a cruise ship is everyone always smiling No, they're dealing with real life. They're dealing with real challenge. I don't know. Should I? Should I not? Should I this? My wife doesn't want to talk to me. A guy told me he was on a cruise ship. Went with his wife on a cruise ship. And the entire time, he was busy with his phone. He's busy with his phone, answering emails, answering text messages. And she's like, you know, I just want you to sit here next to me. Let's suntan together. Let's just be here. Just be present. He's like, yeah, just just a minute. I'm going to be... And he's busy with his busy with work. She took his phone and she threw it into the ocean. He's like, what what I He said from that moment on, he was able to experience something he never experienced before. Being completely there with his wife. Being completely present with his wife. What does she want? Just be present. Be there with me. Don't be distracted. How many times are people just finding a distraction? And legitimate distractions, it's work. He wouldn't have experienced a vacation, a pleasurable moment on that ship with that phone. She had to throw it overboard. But we all have those distractions. We all have those things that, like, so what do you mean? I have to, I have to. Hashem is given that power as well to distract us and to try to pull us into investing in the wrong types of pleasures. God created this, and he created this. He created both of them. He created the authentic pleasure, and he created the counterfeit pleasure. They look alike. I'm looking at two dollar bills. They each one look like they're real, but one is real and one is not real. One is counterfeit. And opposite the real, authentic, godly, light, pleasure that exists in this world, there is the imaginary pleasures of this world. The fraudulent pleasures of this world. That try to appease and try to distract and try to pull a person. To enjoy and to derive pleasure from them. That's the world we're living in. We're living in a world that has constant challenge between these two worlds of pleasures. Authentic pleasures and counterfeit pleasures. Which one am I going to delve into? Here's the thing. Is food a real pleasure or a counterfeit pleasure? Food... It depends on you. That's why we have a blessing that we say, recite, before we eat food. We have a special blessing we recite for every food that we eat. Six different food categories, six different blessings. Because what happens when we recite a blessing on the food that we're eating? We're trying to connect to the light, to the godly light that's in that food. Okay, Let's give an example here. Two people are going for lunch. They're both having the same food. They order. They go to the kosher deli counter and they order uh, a uh, pastrami sandwich, kosher pastrami sandwich, delicious. One guy takes a bite into it. Mmm, delicious. I love it. Okay. The next guy says, Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. He says the proper blessing. Thank you, Hashem for taking the bread out of the earth. He thanks Hashem, and he takes a bite into his pastrami sandwich. He says, ah, thank you, it's so delicious. What's the difference between the two? They're both eating the same exact, not the exact one, but right, but they're both enjoying the identical pastrami sandwich. But one was a physical experience, and one was a spiritual experience. One took the opportunity of this physical item and brought godliness in. And one said, this is to fulfill my physical. The same exact food, the same exact bites. Totally different experience. One was utilized to bring godliness into this world. One was utilized to make the light shine forth. The other one is physical pleasure, let me enjoy that physical pleasure. And you can take every single pleasure in this world, as mundane as they may, as fleeting, as as uh, low as they may seem, and in Judaism, there's a way to elevate it. There's a way to make it godly. You know, under a chuppah, you know what we say under a chuppah? There's a special blessing that we recite when a couple is about to get married. They're standing under the, the chuppah canopy, and we say a blessing, an amazing blessing. God, blessed are you, Hashem, creator of heaven and earth, that you prohibited those who we are not married to and allowed us those who we are married to. We're saying here's a couple. they're They're going to be together. But guess what? They're married. God wants them together. When they're not married, God doesn't want them together the same act that could be done. Two couples. One is holy because they're married. One is unholy because they're not married. So people can be confused. Here, look, it's the same pleasure that every rabbi is eating food. Can't be that I'm doing something terrible. You're not doing something terrible, but you're not allowing that light to shine forth. So does God need our blessing? He doesn't need our blessing. The Talmud says an amazing thing, that one who enjoys from this world and doesn't recite a blessing first is stealing. He's stealing. What? God gave it to me. What do you mean? God gave me this apple. You're telling me now that I'm enjoying this apple? I didn't say a blessing first. I'm stealing? Yes, you're stealing. You're stealing from yourself the opportunity to enjoy and maximize this pleasure. Because you didn't take a moment to recognize. You didn't take a moment to br- let that light shine forth. It's the same apple everyone's eating. True. But you have an opportunity to maximize the pleasure. We in Judaism are invested in maximizing pleasure. That's our goal. We're here to live a life of pleasure. When we don't take a bite of food, without reciting a blessing, what we're doing is saying, one second, one second, one second. Let's not get carried away here. Let's understand what we're doing here. Let's take it all in. When we're enjoying time with our family, we're not just, oh, it's another Shabbos dinner. No! Do you know what people do to prepare for Thanksgiving the one time a year when people have their whole family, they bring their kids in from college, let's go everybody, we're going to have this meal, we're going to eat our turkey. We have that every Shabbos. Every week is Thanksgiving. Every week. My children were in Israel. They call every week, give them the priestly blessing before Shabbos. Yeah, they're going to be 8,000 miles away. We're enjoying it together. God gives us the ability to maximize pleasure in this world, not to make it fleeting. Not to make it something which comes and goes. Something which is like, ah, you can live it on for the entire week ahead and for the entire year, month and year ahead. Ah, what a joy, what a pleasure. To live in a world which is immersed in real, authentic pleasure. That's what the Torah is. Bring godliness into this world. And by the way, the seven Noahide laws allow for that as well. They give the basic structure to live with that recognition at all times. To live with that connection. Aval be'emet kol hem All of those pleasures, again we have two different categories of pleasures. They can be the same ones. One that has a light in it and one that doesn't. Because we didn't infuse it with that light. Those are empty and false pleasures. Because they haven't given we haven't given it light, we haven't given it, we haven't showered it with that blessing. Shekatuv, as it tells us in the Torah. Altitu, don't mistaken Limatot motav. Don't get confused with their flavors. It's fake bread. There is an ability for us to be completely confused with pleasure. If we don't realize that we are the gatekeepers of infusing that physical with spiritual godliness, that's our job here, to enjoy this world. I'll tell you, I never knew this growing up. Growing up, I had no idea that there was a world I to me it always seemed that Judaism wants us to just just follow the rules, put your head down and, and and just and just be. No. I learned this when I was about 16 or 17 years old, which is by the way what I attribute to why I'm a rabbi. I never in my life ever thought I would become a rabbi. That was not in the in the playing cards, okay? I'm not exactly the most studious individual. I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big learner. I'm not a good tester. But when that light turned on and I realized, one second, this is a world of pleasure and I could have missed the boat. I have to make sure that no Jew on planet Earth ever misses the boat like I almost did. I need to share this light with the world. That was that moment where I said, this is my responsibility. My responsibility is to make sure that every single Jew can enjoy from the world of pleasure that God wants us to enjoy, from He created us for pleasure. He wants us to maximize pleasure in this world. Don't be a robot. God doesn't want robots. Why do we keep Shabbat? Because God said. Why do we? Why do we have a family? Because God said. Why? Why do we eat? Because because God said. No, He wants you to enjoy. In fact, we said this I think last week. You know what you're supposed to call Shabbos? Oneg, pleasure. That's why it's called Oneg Shabbos. In the synagogues, they have an Oneg Shabbos. Maximize pleasure. God says, let's get close. Spend time with me. No distractions. We're on that cruise ship. A friend of mine told me, a friend of mine from L.A., he was visiting here for treatments in in Houston. I got to know him. What a great guy. What a special person. He said to me that, the best definition he ever heard. A group of friends were talking about their best vacations they've ever done, they've ever had. One guy says, Oh, we went to Alaska and it was just it was, it was amazing. Another guy says, Oh, we did this. And this guy says, I love going on a cruise. He says, and not only that, I love going on a cruise so much that I go every single weekend. My wife and I and our family. We go on a cruise 52 times a year. They're like, wow, don't you get sick of it? He says, no, it's Shabbos. He says, as soon as the sun sets on Friday, we depart from the dock. We're in a new place. We're not, we can't reach us. Sorry, our phones are off. No reception, sorry. No internet. We're not going any place." We can't travel. We're on a ship. We can't. We're on our cruise. And then we come back to the dock when the stars come out Saturday night. 52 cruises a year. A life of pleasure. It's a way to put it into our mind. When people are ready to give up their technology to go on a cruise, but for Shabbos, it's a little bit excessive, Rabbi. I've heard all the people told me... as. It's like, it's a little crazy, you know, it's like, I'm a, you know, I have to answer emails, I have to answer text messages. Well, no you don't, 25 hours, you, the, the world can can live without getting your text messages and your posts. It's just putting it into proper perspective that we can, wow, yeah, I'm re- I'm ready to pay money for a vacation where I'm disconnected, because what do people want after all? What is vacation? Vacation means I'm disconnecting from the outside world, connecting with the inside world. Hashem says, I want you to do that every single week. Every seven days, I want you to disconnect from the outside world, connect with the inside world. Yeah, we're not doing any business transactions. I have a friend of mine, a student came to the class, uh, we had uh, a breakfast club we would meet in one of the restaurants early in the morning, and he came week after week after week, and we were talking about... Shabbos, we're talking about mitzvahs, we're talking. He says, Rabbi, after class, I need to talk to you. Okay, what happened? He says, Listen, I, I believe in Shabbos, I believe in the Torah, I believe in all of it, and I want to observe it, but the honest truth is, I can't. He says, I'm a salesman in the Mercedes Benz dealership over here at Greenway Plaza. He says, Do you know what I sell during the week? I maybe sell one or two cars during the week. He says, On Saturday, I can sell 20 cars. And you're telling me keep Shabbos? I mean, are you crazy? I'd lose everything. I'd sell two cars during the week. What do you? It's the the most the craziest idea for me to keep Shabbos because that's when I make my business. That's when I make my money. Said, so, you know, that's 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 actually the greatest question I've ever heard. It's a big problem because God couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure it out. I said, you think I'm being facetious? Obviously, I said, you think. That Hashem, who commands you to keep the Shabbos, doesn't have a plan for you. <laughs> it's the Yetzirah. That's that evil inclination that's saying, here, look, look, I've got, I've got the answer for Shabbos. Don't keep Shabbos because here, look, I have all these sales that I'm gonna, I'm gonna present you with. I'm gonna give you, look, this, this smorgasbord of sales. You'll be able to sell cars and sell cars and you'll have all the excuses not to observe Shabbos. So what do you think God wants? He wants you to observe Shabbos. Don't you think so? He says, I think so, but you know, what am I going to do? I said, Why don't you talk to God and tell him you're willing to give up your job for Shabbos, but he's got to come through. You got to support your family. He says, Is it that simple? I said, Why don't you try it? I said, Sit and talk to God and tell him you're going to make a commitment. You're committing to Shabbos, he's got to commit to find you a good livelihood deal. So he does. He has that conversation. I'm driving home, and I get a phone call from a friend of mine. He has a very big company in New York, in the tri-state area. He says to me, it's a friend from years ago. He says, how are you? How are things going? He says, you know, we have a very successful company, and we're looking to expand to Texas. He says, but I'm not looking for a guy who's just a salesman. I need someone who's like a real professional salesman. I need him to run my Texas, my whole Texas region. I said, how about a guy who works at Mercedes-Benz, that type of salesman? He says, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Like, it wasn't even 15 minutes later. I call up the individual. I said, did you make your prayer? He says, I did. I said, guess what? I think God is answering And the guy, till this very day, this is probably 10 years already, still works at that company and keeps Shabbos every Shabbos. What does it take? Allowing that light to shine within each and every one of us. Hashem wants that light. He wants that connection. What does it take? Just let go and let that light shine forth. Each and every one of us has the ability for that light to shine forth every single moment of every single day. Let's not sell ourselves short for fleeting, momentary pleasures. Let's go for real pleasures. Let's go for authentic pleasures. Let's not allow ourselves to sell ourselves cheap, God forbid, with counterfeit pleasures. Hashem should bless us all to have that connection to feel that connection that closeness and to always have our lives lit up with the light of hashem amen okay so let me let me let me ask you a question I, and I, it's a very common question that i that i get whenever i talk about this It's like oh what's about hitler right hitler do you think that if he chose to do good things that he could have built great things i think so i think that same power to do evil could have done good. He chose to do evil, which is why he's going to burn rotten hell for all eternity, right? Because he chose to use the power that he had, the power of influence, the power of persuasion, to do evil and to, and to murder not only the 6 million Jews, how about 25 million Russians and the millions of Polish everywhere? He chose to use his power for evil and therefore he'll be accountable for that. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have a virtue in him. He chose to only use his, his, his evil. And that's his choice. And he's going to be accountable. We will be accountable for our bad choices that we make. To me, one of the most challenging things in the world is the, is the Holocaust. Look, my grandparents, three of my grandparents were in the concentration camps. Two were in Auschwitz. One was in, in, in the Kovner Ghetto and my grandfather was in poland had to leave he was a german citizen and he fled to sweden was there alone for 9 years and finally was able to make his way to the holy land you know how much suffering collectively they've lost their families they lost their parents they lost their cousins their relatives their communities their homes everything it's like i asked my parents you know what did your parents tell you they're all you know the survivors I said, "What did your parents tell you about the Holocaust?" I said, "They they couldn't talk about it. It was it's it was too tragic, it was too painful, right?" So my grandmother, when she heard that there were such a thing called Holocaust deniers, she said, "That's it. I need to put the ink to the paper." And she wrote a book. She couldn't she couldn't tolerate that there are people who can deny what she lived through. But uh, the, the the pain is just uh, immeasurable. Right? Yeah, we can't fathom such evil. Right, so here's the thing. You had two camps of people. You had camps of people who uh, chose to strengthen their faith in Hashem. And there were people who chose to remove their faith in Hashem. Again, we're always faced with these two. My grandmother, she said that she had no doubt in the world that the Almighty was with her at every moment. Her father was burnt to life. But she, she, she was able to find in her emunah, in her knowledge of Hashem, that Hashem is here at every moment. It's true that I, it's difficult to see him in such tragic times. It doesn't mean he's not there. And we have no idea. Again, this is something which is way out of the scope of our, our conversation today. But yeah, this is, this is probably one of the most tragic experiences the Jewish people have ever been through in the 3,300 years since our becoming a a nation at Mount Sinai. Yes, affirmative. In fact, not only that, is at the end of each day, we have a special prayer that we say where we're in bed. When we're in bed, what's the special prayer? Aside from saying the Shema, we say, Hashem, I forgive everyone who has wronged me, and I ask for everyone who I wrong to forgive me as well. Why, Why is that important tonight? Exactly for what you're saying, Sandy. Is that yes, indeed, when our day ends, it's like the end of our life ends for that day. And God says, should I grant you another go at this tomorrow morning? That's why when we wake up, we wash our hands. The halacha, the Torah teaches us to wash our hands when we wake up in the morning. Why do we wash our hands? Because we're a new creation. A new creation. We were dead. It says that sleep is a 60th of death. And when we arise, we're a new creation. So we wash off that remnants of that death, so to speak, that we experienced at night. But let me read it to you here from inside. If you look, in, in, in most prayer books, you'll have the bedtime Shema. And listen to what it says. Master of the of the universe. This is the way it starts. Before we say the Shema. I hereby forgive anyone who angered or antagonized me or who sinned against me, whether against my body my property, my honor, or against anything of mine, whether he did so accidentally, willfully, carelessly, or purposely, whether through speech, deed, thought, or notion, whether in this transmigration or another transmigration, I forgive every Jew. May no man be punished because of me. May it be your will, Hashem, my God and the God of my forefathers, that I may not sin no more. Whatever sins I have done before you, may you blot out in your abundant mercies, but not through suffering and bad illnesses. May the expressions of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart find favor before you, Hashem, my rock and my redeemer. That's the beginning, the introduction of our prayer that we recite in bed. Why? Because we're about to have judgment. So you see, the beginning of every day is like a Rosh Hashanah, or the beginning, like a, we have the beginning of every year. We have the beginning of every month, which is Rosh Chodesh. We have the beginning of every week, which is Shabbos. And then we have the beginning of every day. Every day is, it's, it's like a, like a Rosh Hashanah, where we clear up the past day, we start a fresh day the next day. Someone has a rough day, it's okay. Day is almost over. Tomorrow's a new day. And it's a, it's, it's a a sense of encouragement and enlightenment that it's, it's not so, it's not so bad because we're starting a fresh slate tomorrow morning. That's an excellent question, Sandy. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org. Because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.